All right, I want to talk about God's chosen fast, fasting that overcomes evil, out of Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 6. Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 6. God was very displeased with the Israelites because they were fasting and praying. They were, but for all the wrong reasons. And he says, that's not what I'm looking for. This is the fast that's acceptable to me. This is the type of fast that I will hear you when you pray. And so I want to talk about that in Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 6. It says this, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. So this is God speaking to Isaiah. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. And so God has a message for the Israelites through the prophet Isaiah, and God's wanting him to cry out and to lift up his voice and to let the people of God know their sins. And then, of course, they begin to reiterate the sins here. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Well, that's tongue-in-cheek. That's what the Israelites were thinking. They believed that what? They believed that they delighted to know God's ways and that they were a nation of righteousness. But really, they were backslidden. So they, they are believing a lie about themselves. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? So God's not answering them when they pray and fast. Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Well, we would think yes, but, uh, you know, it was all outward. That's the problem with verse 5. They're afflicting their soul and bowing their head and spreading out the sackcloth. It was all outward. There, there was not an inward there. It was all show. It was religion. It was legalistic. Their relationships were all broken. They're full of pride, yet they're fasting and praying as religious observance and uh, wondering why God's not answering. And then he says this. So this is the fast. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. So we're going to be looking at verse 6 tonight and then next Wednesday as well. God cares about our motive in praying and fasting. In verse 3, the Israelites were finding pleasure in fasting. In, the, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. They were fasting so that others would know that they were fasting. And they were exploiting their workers by making them work extra so that they could fast and pray. In verse 4, the Israelites were fighting with each other. You fast for strife and debate, it says in verse 4, to strike with the fist of wickedness. I remember our church I got saved in, First Baptist Church. We went on a three-day fast. And uh, I was 
new, newly saved, I think it would be my second year. So I've been saved maybe two years. I was in second year of Bible college. Anyway, the pastor announced a three-day fast, and we're preparing for our spring convention and seeking the Lord. It was always a high time in God, and where God just moves in a wonderful way, like our spring conventions. And uh, as we were going through this fast, I still remember it was a morning service, uh, maybe nine, ten o'clock in the morning. Uh, we were meeting and fasting and praying, and I literally was on the altar area kneeling down on the altar area. I still remember this. And uh, people were praying, and we were like on the second day of this three-day fast, and uh, all of a sudden uh, a lady starts uh, uh, complaining uh, about the leadership of the church, the pastor of the church, and uh, she's praying to God. She's outwardly complaining, and uh, there's this heaviness that comes over and I'm, I'm up there, I'm there, what the heck is going on here? And the next thing I know, the pastor is speaking in the microphone, and she's telling her that she needs to be quiet uh, because she's using this as a public forum to share, do you remember that? It was Greta Brent. To share her grievances about the church, the pastor, the leadership of the church, and he's telling her, please stop talking. You need to sit down. She won't stop talking. She continues to talk. And, And finally, he says, woman, shut up. Well, she, she did shut up. Uh, she walked out, and uh, her husband wasn't in the meeting. She went straight to her husband. Her husband was on staff, and she filled him in that, he, that the pastor had told her to shut up. Well, he came storming back to church after the meeting and had it out with the pastor of the church, and that began, that began an explosion that led to the elders rising up against him and having a, uh, a huge meeting where 60% of the congregation voted to retain the pastor, 40% voted to kick him out, and a, a church split right down the center. The revival spirit that was in that church ended, just ended. It all started during a three-day fast. <laughs> Do you remember that? She remembers that. I remember that. And it reminds me of verse 4. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. The Israelites cared about the outward appearance without inward repentance, like I mentioned there in verse 5. They're afflicting their soul. They're bowing down their head. They're going through all the outward. And, and Jesus talks about this, you know, when you fast. Uh, don't, don't get your appearance to where people notice that you're fasting. Anoint your head. Put on your clothes. Take a shower. You know, don't draw attention to yourself. Well, they were doing just the opposite, right? Fasting is a matter of the heart, not the appearance. They were trying to by this religious activity of fasting and praying to manipulate God into answering their prayers, and he wasn't. God always looks at the heart. He always looks at the heart. So when we go in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, let's humble ourselves. And uh, it's, it's not wrong for people to know that you're fasting. I mean, this is a corporate fast. I'm calling for a fast, so we all know that we're fasting. But we're not doing this to appear better than or more religious, or more godly, or more righteous than anybody else. We're humbling ourselves because we're fasting because why? We need God. And if you really believe that you need God, well, that's the basis of humility, isn't it? I need God, personally, in my family, 
in this church. We need God. Do we need God in our nation? We need God in our nation. Absolutely. Our, our nation has turned from God, right? The people of Isaiah's day had the same problem as the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They trusted in empty ritual, apart from the spiritual reality, real fasting, Fasting that is partnered with real repentance and isn't only about image has great power before God. But God sees through the hypocrisy of empty religious ritual, including fasting. In Jesus' parable of the Pharisees and the publican, he told how the self-righteous Pharisee made a special point to say, I fast twice a week. And, of course, it was, the, it was the, the Gentile that bowed his head that God heard and honored rather than the religious guy that's fasting twice a week. I, I read reading a book by Jensen Franklin, and he put it this way. No, this is by uh, Marilyn Hickey. She puts it this way. Fasting does not put us into a right relationship with God. It doesn't save us or empower us in and of itself. Jesus Christ saves us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Fasting puts us into a position to recognize our own need of a Savior and for more of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Fasting is a humbling experience, not an exalting experience. God never desires that a person fast in order to be saved or as an alternative approach to receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. God doesn't give religious gold stars to the person who fasts. We must never make a point of prideful boasting that we went out on a fast and our ch- with our church or Bible study. We must never think that our fasting brought about a miracle. God is the worker of miracles. Fasting is a means of putting us into a position to trust God more and to rely upon God to do his work in us, through us, and all around us. There is no magic in fasting And we must never think that fasting makes us better than other Christians who don't fast. Fasting calls a person to a humbling of the spirit, not just a humbling of the body. Fasting is always aimed at deepening a person's relationship with God. It is not a trapping of religion, but rather a means of bringing about greater trust in the Lord. In verse 6, it gives us four really reasons or purposes in God calling us to fast. It's ultimately to overcome evil. He says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, that's number one. To undo heavy burdens, that's number two. To let the oppressed go free, that's number three. And that you break every yoke, that's number four. I want to talk about the first two, Lord willing, tonight. The first one is to loose the bonds of wickedness. Many times people fast and pray. We always want to add prayer to the fasting, right? If you don't add prayer to the fasting, what's your fasting? A diet. So we want to add prayer to the fasting. To loose the bonds of wickedness. Many times people pray so that they might be delivered from the power of sin. Be delivered from a besetting sin. To be delivered from a bondage in their life. From an oppression in their life. And that's what Jesus talks about here as he speaks through the prophet Isaiah. Is not this the fast that I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? Is that what you need? Is that what you need? Hebrews talks about laying aside every, every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. 
We know we've been wonderfully saved. We've talked about the power of the blood and uh, forgiveness of sins and deliverance from the power of sin. You know, that's a promise, right? And sometimes when we get saved, uh, there's a wonderful work and God removes, delivers, sets free in so many different ways. But sometimes sins kind of follow us into our new birth, into our relationship with the Lord. That happens. Man, you know, I had this issue. I got saved. He's done a great work, but this just kind of followed me in here. And you have it. Or other times, because of carnality or, or spiritual weakness, we pick up sins after we're saved. And they can become bondages, addictions, sinful habits, compulsions in our life. When you fast, you are admitting your inability to deliver yourself. So to loose the bonds of wickedness. Now we know Jesus was the perfect son of God, and yet he fasted for those 40 days, right? 40 days at the beginning of his public ministry. He got water baptized. The Spirit of God descended like a dove and abided on him. And Jesus was, according to Luke chapter 4, full of the Holy Spirit. And so he's now full of the Holy Spirit, which is great. And then the Bible says he was led of the Spirit. So full of the Spirit and led of the Spirit. We want that, right? Uh, But he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Say what? (laughs) That's the bummer, right? Led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Jesus, in order to be the perfect high priest, needed to be tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. So that he might be a sympathetic high priest to us because he understands right he understands and so jesus willingly submitted to his father's will he willingly submitted to the spirit's leading he went into that wilderness and it was a supernatural fast without food or water for 40 days that's supernatural you can't live without water what is it three to five days and so this is a supernatural fast and so he's 40 days in that wilderness he's all alone It's harsh conditions, hot during the day, cold at night. He's all alone, him and his heavenly father, and, of course, the Spirit of God aiding and assisting him, and then the devil is tempting him. And through prayer and fasting, Jesus resisted the three temptations of the enemy. He conquered them. It is written. He resisted him. The devil left him, fled from him. And the scripture says at the end of those 40 days, Jesus returned in the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. So through his fasting and praying, he overcame sin's temptation and was empowered. And so that's what fasting and praying can do. It can empower us. Give us ability to have fresh, new strength to say no to the devil, to resist his temptation, to say no to that sin, the desires that it brings into your heart, and to come through in the power of the Spirit with a new level of obedience. How many would like that? Yes, absolutely. I would like that. Now, the devil will lie to you. Fasting won't work. Nothing will ever change. God doesn't care about your sinful habits. Well, we answer those lies this way. Fasting and prayer does work. It does. Nothing will ever change. Yes, things can change. You can change. The situation can change. Your heart can change. 
God could do a real work in you. And how about this last one? God doesn't care about your sinful habits. You know, that's the devil's lie, and sometimes you buy into that because you're so tired of fighting it and not getting victory over it. And so finally, instead of being grieved by it and resisting it and and keep on resisting it, you get defeated by it. And then uh, rather than admit that you're defeated by it, you just come to the conclusion, God doesn't care about this anymore. God always cares about sin. He always cares about sin. And that's a lie of the devil. And I've, I've heard people talk to me like that. Well, you know, I'm doing this, but, you know, God doesn't care. God, it does, that God, yes, he does. It, it's sin. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're quenching the Spirit. Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins and to release us from the power of sin. He gets grieved when his children are in sin. And so don't believe the devil's lie. Am I right about that? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Listen to this promise in Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. A deliverer. A deliverer. So what does he deliver you from? Sin. That's a promise. When I had trouble with my liver, I had issues with my liver a number of years ago. And, uh, yeah, it was just terrible. Anyway, saw the liver doctor, the specialist, and uh, had to go down to, uh, oh, was it Henry Ford in, in Detroit? And put me on this liver transplant list and all this. And I'm, oh, my gosh, what is going on? Well, deliverer. If you notice, the middle of that is liver. And it's really weird the Lord used that to speak to my heart and encourage me. And uh, through a, a number of steps and, and things like this, uh, all of a sudden, I would go. They'd run the tests on, on me, and uh, they kept coming back really good, really good, really good. And finally, the liver doctor says, you know what? I don't need to see you anymore. You're done. Don't even need to go back. Well, that was years ago. He, he would tell me now, if you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and your eyes are yellow, and your skin is yellow, you call me immediately. So in the morning, I'd get up and look, and well, uh, that looked pretty good there. And uh, yeah, so it was like a weight. But he was a deliverer. Well, he brought me through that health scare. I thank the Lord for that. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, and whom I will trust. Psalm 40, verse 17. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. So, you might be saying, well, why am I fasting and praying? Well, maybe you are fasting and praying, or you need to fast and pray to get victory over an area in your life. And that's between you and God. You don't need to confess that to me or anything, but spend the next 21 days and make it a point of of prayer and uh, believing and trusting God. Lord, just as Jesus overcame the enemy when he fasted and prayed and became full of the Spirit and of the power of the Spirit, Lord, I pray that I might, at the end of these 21 days, walk out of my wilderness in the power of the Spirit and have a new level of victory in my life. Amen? Amen. That sound good? All right. The second one is to undo the heavy burden. The heavy burden. So this could be like the weight of sin, but I'm going to look at this as a burden that you're carrying in your heart that leads to 
anxiousness and a heaviness, right? Are you burdened by financial debt? Are you burdened by the cares of this life? Are you burdened about your family, your job, your ministry? Burdened over, Pastor Steve talked about the nation, the country. That's a burden, isn't it? And sometimes we can get, as Jesus would say, heavy laden. Like this weight on us, right? Now, God does not place heavy burdens upon us. He even talks about us and talks about this in Matthew chapter 11. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. My burden is light. But we can get anxious, weighed down. What the Bible calls like a spirit of heaviness upon us. And the Lord wants to use the time of fasting and praying to to undo the heavy burden. And uh, I think what, what happens is, is as you fast and pray, you draw close to the Lord. As you draw close to the Lord, your faith increases, your trust increases. As you draw close to the Lord, he speaks to you out of his word because we have this word challenge. Maybe a promise speaks into your heart. And next thing you know, your burdens are lifted. You know, I'm no longer weighed down by this, burdened by this. I'm no longer thinking that I got to solve it or I got to do something or, or somehow I'm responsible for this. And all of a sudden you're trusting in the care of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God. And that burden is lifted off of you. So fasting and praying can undo heavy burdens. So if you have a heavy burden in your life, like I said, it could be about family, finances, burden about your country, burden about your marriage, burden about broken relationships, burden about your job, the future, whatever that burden might be, use these 21 days of prayer and fasting to call on the name of the Lord. God does not place heavy burdens upon us. There are times when God does call us to a particular opportunity that will challenge us beyond our ability. We must distinguish between a call he desires us to answer and will help us with and a burden that he does not want us to carry. That makes sense? So sometimes he does call us to put our hands to something that's challenging. And the path of God, the will of God is challenging. But he's there to assist us. That's one thing. Another thing is to be burdened by, by about things that you ought not to be burdened by. We need to learn to cast our care or our burden or our anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for us. He cares for us. God's word declares our freedom. In Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I like that one. God will sustain us as we cast our burden. And how do you cast a burden on the Lord? You know, through prayer. Prayer is the great burden exchange or the transfer burden. That's what prayer does. It transfers your burden. 
You go to God in prayer and say, Lord, this is troubling me. This is weighing me down. I'm anxious about this. And I now give it to God. I give it to you, O Lord. Well, the Lord loves you to give you, give, have you give him those burdens. The Bible already tells you to cast it upon the Lord. He's got broad shoulders. He can handle it. He can deal with it. He loves to lighten our load. You know, when we're burdened, we're, we're not trusting believing or responding in a manner that God wants us to. We're taking too much upon ourselves. We're responsible for it. We got to figure it out. We want to be in control, right? And uh, for all those that are control freaks, we all are to some degree. For all of us control freaks, I tell you what, that's a heavy burden, isn't it? Trying to control everything. (laughs) You know, that's terrible. What are we doing trying to control things, trying to control people and circumstances and outcomes? Oh, my gosh. I would love to control the stock market. I'd love to control the elections, political elections. I'd love to control everything that happens in our church. Don't let that in. Don't let that come. But, you know, man, life life is just moving, and God is moving, and circumstances are moving, and, uh, you know, it's all seemingly out of my control. There's only certain things that I personally can do that I can respond to God about. Everything else, it's in his hands. It's in his hands. Uh, Isaiah 10 verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. And so this is talking about the, the enemies of Israel. The enemies of Israel. And they were pressing down, pressing down, threatening, threatening. And they were like a burden to the Israelites. A burden. Oh, man. Well, that's what it's talking about. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden from this enemy will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The anointing oil is the type of the Holy Spirit or the anointed one, Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah is prophesying by the word of the Lord to, to the nation of Israel that I'm going to release this burden off of you by my power, by my spirit. This enemy is looming over you and threatening invasion and, and man, just pressing down and sapping you of joy and strength and you're all worried and full of care. It says, by my anointing, I'm going to remove that off of you. God can defeat our enemies. God can defeat our enemies. One translation or interpretation of uh, this passage of Scripture, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil, uh, has the idea of the yoke like over like an oxen, the yoke. And as that oxen was fed and became healthy, it grew and grew and grew until it broke the yoke off. So in other words, the Lord can increase us and grow us by his presence and power in our life, we grow and increase. And as we grow and increase in faith and strength in God, all of a sudden that yoke is just broken off of us. Well, I love that as well. I love that as well. Praise the Lord. Ezra fasted and prayed. He was burdened. In the book of Ezra, chapter 8, verses 21 and 22, he's burdened because he's going to be leading a group of people back to Israel 
where they had been, had been restored back to their land, and he wants to establish temple worship and the teaching of the Word of God. And, and so he's leading them back from, uh, really, the Persian Empire back to Israel. And the only problem is he was boasting to the king that God will protect us, and he will sustain us, and he, he will be our fortress. Uh, but he realizes that's a treacherous journey, <laughs> and there's a lot of thieves and robbers and he's burdened because he doesn't want to ask the king for protection because he said, God will protect us. And so he's now burdened by this because it's a dangerous journey, and he doesn't want to ask the king for protection because he feels like it would destroy the testimony that he's been telling the king. God's able, God's powerful, he'll protect us. So he's burdened, so he decides to call a fast in Ezra chapter 8. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might, listen to this, humble ourselves before our God. So that's what fasting does, right? We humble ourselves to seek from him. So fasting is humbling, seeking, to seek from him the right way for us. So fasting is humbling, seeking, and listening to his direction for the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. And so Ezra's got this burden, so he proclaims, he calls for a corporate fast. They all humble themselves. They seek the Lord. God gives them direction. They make the long journey. And what does God do? Protects them. He protects them. So this fasting was for direction, for protection, to relieve this heavy burden, to undo heavy burden. So if, if you are burdened by something, it's just heavy on you all the time. And you know if you are. When you seek and pray over these next 21 days, ask God to undo your heavy burden. Amen? The devil will lie to you and tell you, you deserve the burden. You created this situation. Or he'll say, you're too weak. You're not able to do God's will. Or he'll say, you need to fix their problem. You need to do what you need to do. And tell you what, sometimes the devil just loves to have you pick up what only God can do rather than lay it down and trust God to do what only God can do. Faith says, in areas where I cannot, you can. In areas where I don't know what to do, you know. In areas where I'm limited, God, you are unlimited. So fasting and prayer will put you in the best possible, possible position to loose the bonds of wickedness and to undo heavy burdens. We'll take a look at the other two next Wednesday, all right, that it talks about in Isaiah 58, verse 6. The fast that God chooses. He wants to set us free from sin, sin's power, sin's uh, captivity, and to undo a burden in our life to release that, where we can give it to God and find rest and peace. Somebody say amen to that. Amen, amen to that.
Praise the Lord. Father, I love you, and I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts, and thank you, Lord, for revelation, for preparation, for all these wonderful testimonies of you speaking to our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for that. And, Lord, for each person here tonight that will be fasting and praying to have victory over the power of sin, of a habit, of an addiction. Lord, I pray these 21 days that they will be like Jesus and overcome. Have newfound power and you bring them into liberty and freedom. Lord, you are our deliverer. Thank you, Lord, for that. With your heads bowed, if you would say, you know what, uh, Pastor? I mean, I am believing God to have victory in an area in my life. I've struggled with it, and I'm looking to God for victory. In these 21 days, I'm going to be asking God for new victory. Can you just raise your hand? Yes, praise the Lord. And Lord, I pray for those that are burdened, burdened for family, burdened about situations, burdened about finances, burdened about whatever, Lord. We can get burdened down. Lord, I pray that you use these 21 days to, Lord, relieve us, to teach us how to cast our care upon you. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You tell us, all those that are heavy laden to come to you and we can find rest. Lord, I pray there's these, during these 21 days that we will come to you by faith and learn of you and find rest to our soul, peace, a confidence, trust that you have this, that God's got this. If you want to use these 21 days to find a release of a heavy burden, can you just raise your hand? Yes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Set our hearts on you. If you're here tonight and you need to receive Christ as your personal Savior, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're here tonight and you need to receive Christ as your personal Savior. I would love to pray with you. If you'd like me to pray with you to receive Christ as your Savior, just raise your hand. Raise your hand.